There's a tiny island off the coast of Connecticut. Its residents are more than 10,000 little white seabirds called terns, T-E-R-N-S. They have long orange beaks, and sometimes they have ominous black tufts on their heads. There might be more terns on this island than anywhere on Earth. And for 50 years, one woman has served as steward and caretaker. This is Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio. I'm Davis Donovan. I go on the road from New York to Boston in search of people, places, and things that fascinate me. This time I'm not in my car, I'm on a boat, on the way to Great Gull Island in the middle of Long Island Sound. The boat pulls up to the pier, and the first thing I notice are the birds. They circle in a frenetic, almost swarm over the beach, and they're loud. An elderly woman waits for me on the pier. She leans on a cane, but her eyes are bright. This is Helen Hayes. We're going down to see the first egg in a few seconds. That's great. It's a very exciting event, the first egg. The first freshly laid turn egg of the season. Helen and her high school or college age volunteers walk the island every day in the spring and they look for eggs. One of the volunteers found the egg yesterday on the beach. Now he's afraid it won't be there, but it will be there. This island is covered in thousands of eggs and volunteers, up to 30 of them every spring during breeding season. The island is owned by Helen's employer, the American Museum of Natural History, but she doesn't see it that way. It mainly belongs to the terns. Back in the 60s, when Helen first came to Gull Island, there were no humans here. She was a college graduate working for the museum. She'd always loved birds, and she knew she didn't want a desk job. My parents had kept asking me what I was going to do in life, and I said I was going to do field work. Helen was in the right place at the right time. The U.S. Army had just sold the abandoned 17-acre island to the Natural History Museum. It had been the site of Fort Mitchie since the late 1800s, and during World War II, it housed the most powerful weapon in the U.S. arsenal, the M1919 gun. It was so big, it needed to be mounted on a turret the size of a swimming pool. They can do plenty of damage. An outstanding case where it's better to give than to receive. More advanced weapons made guns like the M1919 obsolete after World War II. The Army closed the base in 1948. And then the island's former citizenry sensed the new peace and quiet and moved back in. They began to nest in the abandoned guard towers and big concrete bunkers of Fort Mitchie. And that's where Helen Hayes found them when she volunteered for research on the island in the 1960s. It seemed to me we could see how many birds were here. Nobody knew, and I thought that would be really fun. Helen got a few interns together, and they got to work counting the birds. And they also made the island more habitable for the occasional human population. The buildings were kind of torn apart, but not so that you couldn't repair them a little bit. So that's what we did. The volunteers spent weeks at a time on the island, but Helen stayed nearly half the year. She kept an eye on their breeding habits, tagged them to find out where they went. She protected them from predators, and their numbers increased almost right away. I didn't have any doubt that they'd increase. I never expected to have such a, I mean, such an increase as we noticed. And the increase was almost tenfold to over 10,000 birds. Great Gull Island now has the highest tern population in the Western Hemisphere, maybe the world. But I'm not sure the terns really appreciate what the volunteers have done for them. For one thing, you have to protect yourself when you're out here. One of the volunteers, Ruby, hands me a hat 
garnished with camouflaged flowers. The birds may dive bomb your head, so if you want some flowers to put on top, they'll attack the flowers instead. <laughs> so, really? If you feel the need, yes. <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you. Despite the constant fear of birds drilling a hole in your head, Helen and her volunteers have carved out a nice little niche here over the years. Now there's dorm-style bunks, a little sparse, I guess, but functional. And there's a shack with a cute kitchen and a reading nook for volunteers, like Owen Friesen. He's a high school student, and his mom also volunteered back in the 80s. I mean, she told me about the, the mobs of turns, and even back then they wore the straw hats with the flowers because they would dive bomb. That was a little scary for Owen, but he feels like you can't really blame the birds for assaulting the aliens on the island. They can be vicious, but this was their rock before we came here. I always feel like a guest in this place. So does Helen Hayes, and she's not too worried what'll happen to the birds when she can no longer watch out for them. She's helped them a lot over five decades, but these birds are pretty tough, whether it's avoiding predators or hurricanes. They always seem to survive it, whatever it is. They face into the wind and stay there. That's, that's it. I'm Davis Dunham. Next time you hear from me, I'll be off the boat and back on the road with Off the Path from WSHU Public Radio to explore all those unusual, fascinating stories from New York to Boston.